Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody. Not only is this my independence report, this is the Lunch Club. This is what we do every Wednesday. <laughs> Eric, you crack me up. You just, you just crack me up. Uh, it's, it's. I, I got to get new hats. Is what I got to get because you, you, you. Are, anyway, um, we are, we are joined today, as always, by and and by the way, they have said that they will continue to do this for as long as as. Uh, it's available, which should be a long time. Uh, Matt Shea, the author, um, author of nine books. Thank you very much for being here, Matt. Eric Hall, the, how did I put it when we, we put a, a, an expert conversationalist and, and, and what? The guy that won't stop talking. That's the guy. <laughs> and a fantastic writer. And oh. he's got great stuff out there. Yep. A great, great. <laughs> He wrote what? something just the other day that, that had people going, oh, gross. And anyway, <laughs> I don't think we're yeah. going to play. We're going to talk about that today. No, I meant it to have the opposite effect. Too. That tells you what kind of writer I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Kayla May, the uh, uh, director of media for My Independence Report. Welcome, hey, Kayla. How are you? Hey, Kayla. A, a fine mother of uh, two, a 10-year-old and a uh, three-year-old. Three. <laughs> and they're, they're pretty cool and i do have an announcement to make announcements announcement you remember that old cub scout thing um the announcement is if you look at the bottom of your screen there what you will see is there's now a telephone number if you would like to call in and chime in to whatever you'd like to talk about either uh, you can either comment via text and just go to the comment section and and uh drop us a line and we'll read it or you can give us a call and appear on the show. And that number is 206-408-1395. If you forget it, just look at the bottom of the screen and it'll be there. Oh, and so that's, that's, we are now just like a real professional radio show. That's pretty cool, huh? Josh. We're about laughs. Awesome. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So, Eric, you picked the topic for today. What are we going to talk about? Well, as uh, everyone knows, Sunday was July 4th, which uh, is a big day, you know, not only for this country because we declared our independence from uh, which country again was that? That was Great Britain. Great Britain. And it worked out. It worked out pretty well, you know. And America has been on the edge, cutting edge of innovation since that day henceforth. You know, we came up with the most successful democracy ever conceived, and we did that because we pulled from a lot of different sources. You know, we based it on uh, Greek democracy, but we also had, uh, well, Thomas Jefferson and our forefathers had the fourth foresight to use a lot of philosophy, a lot of uh, independent thinking, a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that would attract and instill a creative spirit in this country that would forever be independent. And 
through that uh, wisdom and a lot of grit, uh, they, they pulled it off tremendously. And here we sit, uh, some 200 and what, almost 50, 240 years later. We should have that number. Anybody good at math, Matt? Okay. Well, I just know we're 1776 on forward. Yeah, well, that's, forward. So that's when we declared independence, but we that's actually when... obtained our independence in 83. In 83. Yeah. So it, it took was... a while. Now, America, you know, God bless us, because in all those years, uh, chiming up to 1776, America and the concept of the America as a, as a single nation really started itself in the bars. You know, that's where people hung out. That was the town squares of the days where the guys would uh, mingle on the free time, which might be they didn't have weekends back then because there weren't unions established, which was also founded in America. But they would gather at these uh, uh, taverns and talk and discuss the problems of the day. And the problems of the day, of course, was government, no representation, but heavy taxation. And out of that concept came the great... Uh, the great country called the United States of America. And, and you know what's really cool about, about the Constitution and how it was put together is it is a living document. It's alive, and it changed over time, thank goodness. Because yeah. in, the, in the original Constitution, uh, the, um, the slave population were only five-eighths of a person. And that... that over time went away and the right to vote for women went away. So it's a, it's a living document overall, which I think separates us from a lot of countries. Don't you think? Oh man. You know, I, it's the one piece of literature that I consider that overcomes everything else and becomes a piece of artwork, something that we'll never attain. Even our better angels, when we, we, we do struggle to bring about it and they come out and do stuff for us. Uh, they're just uh, in the current battle and they'll be back, you know, because we're considered, we're always, I mean, look at the past, uh, what, couple of years, you know, we, we fell on our, we fell on our hands and we had people in the streets that were saying, uh, we want better. And it worked out. We want better. We achieve better. America is always going to be like that. You know, um, the slaves went through that. Well, the American people, when they, uh, struggle with Britain. They went into the streets and they they protested. They created an army. Then um, the slaves uh, protested and uh, people went in and they created an army and we overcame and it, civil rights. I mean, you name it. it. It's always about the American people taking initiative. It's the one place, and I have a theory about what makes America great. You guys have heard about uh, the single person theory. Uh, enlighten me. Well, a single person theory is somebody that is a hero. And without them, history could not be what it is. So let's say George Washington. He was the man of the day that was able to hold the country together for how long? Matt, was that eight, ten years that he held the country together before he turned yes. over the reins? And without <laughs> him, um, America might be in question. Did we have anybody else that would have taken hold of that country and driven it so well and then turn the reins over to somebody else and say, I did my time. The concept of America is keep it fluid here. We need better leadership uh, suited for the times. And this is how our democracy works. That was a big man with big shoes. And of course we uh, found somebody that came on. So that was the single person theory. And then there's the down below theory where it takes a massive amount of 
what we call little people, people that aren't so influential, that start a movement and push, just like linemen on a football team that push and make room for that runner to open up and burst through and make that touchdown. We combine those things. I think that's what makes America great is our uh, our um, our economic process, that capitalism, that uh, free free enterprise makes room for both the single person greatness and room for people at the bottom to create that line and burst people through. That's what makes America great. Now, I got a question for the three of you because I just found this out yesterday. I consider myself a bit of a student of history, but I I heard something. I saw something in a documentary yesterday that about the um, Revolutionary War that I had no idea. Um, and it uh, it's like a, there was a battle called the Green Mountain Battle. And any of you guys know uh, much about the battles of uh, of uh, the Revolutionary War? Not that one. Anyone? Um, what happened was there was a um, British general that made a statement that made it into the papers and got to the to the frontier of the United States. And now remember, the frontier was not the West in those days. It was like Ohio and and in the interior. And he made a statement that pissed off all of the frontiersmen. And so thousands or so of them got together and and drove under no supervision. This is just American ingenuity under no supervision, no generals, no no army to speak of. And they went and they and they fought the British and um, in fact, um, destroyed a couple of their columns and and took a bunch of prisoners and forced ultimately forced Cornwallis to go to uh, um, the sea. I think it was uh, Charlotte's Charlestown in, 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 where, where he ended up getting blocked in. And it was because of a, a lieutenant who had pissed off the frontiersmen and they, they decided that they were not going to put up with that anymore because they were a ways away. They didn't necessarily uh, care about the, uh, um, the battles on the, on the, in the Eastern side, but, but they, so American ingenuity, those guys decided that they took it upon themselves to do that. There's got to be lots and lots of stuff about, about American ingenuity and what we've done um, over time that, uh, and if anybody would like to comment in or give us a call, you can do that. But uh, there, there must be tons of stuff that, uh, that we don't know about that is may not even made the history books. I've, but I've created a, just a quick hit list of some of the inventions that came out of America. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Just, just a quick hit list. And it includes, uh, I separated and, you know, I feel bad because I separated it, but uh, African-Americans, I have a separate page of African-American uh, contributions as well. And a lot of those might surprise you. A lot of those might surprise you. And, you know, thankfully, <laughs> America runs a gamut because I, I came up with a lot of, you know, war-oriented stuff, you know, like the nuclear bomb, uh, machine gun, and, you know, <laughs> submarine, which is interesting. We, were, we didn't invent the idea. I mean, Leonardo da Vinci came up with that idea as far as we know. But we were the ones that actually perfected it, you know, got it to actually work, you know, and work as a machine. Um, but thank God, not of our, all of our great inventions are just about war, you know, uh, 
So, so give us some of your list. Well, some of the list. This is, uh, of course, a telephone. But what I think is most interesting, it might be the most influential inventions of all time that affects every person on the planet, is the time zone. Oh. Like uh, before the railroads were built across the country, because this is, you know, this came out of necessity. And the railroads are running. And they had no way to really communicate to people uh, with any a kind of accuracy. Yeah, we'll see you in Ohio at, you know, 1235. Because that meant 1235 was a complete different time to somebody in New York. It wasn't three hours away. It was they had all these different, I guess they had like 300 different time systems in America only at that time. Wow. And Europe had done, had messed with some time zones, but nothing really took. Um, and when I say Europe, I mean like France had their own, uh, Germany had their own, uh, Britain had their own, everybody had their own time zone. So it was kind of a mess. And, you know, they weren't that far away. I mean, one place wasn't saying, Britain wasn't saying, well, it's 1 p.m. And Germany was saying, no, it's 5 p.m. It wasn't that bad. But there certainly wasn't going to be, I'll see you at 1 o'clock for lunch and everybody will get there at the same time. It wasn't that kind of thing. So out of the necessity, the railroad systems came up, and this was this happened in 1883. They decided five time zones would work out for the United States. And that's what really pulled things together. That solidified, you know, uh, shipping because transportation on railroads was getting started then. You know, so work days were affected. Uh, all these things started to fall in place. And, of course, we were shipping and uh, bringing things into the United States at the same time. So the concept of the 24-hour time zone wasn't long after that. I think it was like, uh, oh, 19-something. 19, 19, it wasn't long. 19, I'm going to say 1914, just before World War I when the 24-hour time zone was actually incorporated. So I consider that, you know, one of the big organizers of the planet. That, that would be true. That would be true. I thought you were going to say the electric light bulb. There you go. I mean, that that's another one. I mean, what are we going to do with that light bulb? Well, you know, and that, I mean, that affects every if you go if you look at the, the guys out in space, uh, they can they can see all the lights from everybody that that emanated from one guy. And that's Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. And there's another guy that never gave up. Because what was that? Uh, several hundred attempts to pull off the light bulb? Yep. Or more. Or more. I mean, damn. You know, that's something else. And we came up with, you know, machine gun, of course, mentioned that. The car. Now, we love our cars in the United States. And we absolutely do. This will throw you for the loop. Henry T. Ford was not the first one to come up with uh, the factory process for the car you know who it was uh-uh. it was oldsmobile uh, in germany in uh in america oh oh oldsmobile okay yeah okay but it wasn't as grandiose as what henry ford would put together and that's why they give you know henry ford credit because he's a guy that took the car complete from you know the smallest part took it through the factory henry Rhodes was only doing you know most parts of the car in a factory process. Yes, man. He also invented the assembly line 
And so now you got the whole package. Now you got the whole package. And there are so many players in that. You know, that was just, you know, the result of the industrial, the dawn of the industrial age that we were so crucial to the rest of the world, a big player in that. You know, not only just the process, but the social issues behind that as well. Yes, sir. Something that always eluded me about Henry Ford, he had many inspiring quotes, and one of which is, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Okay, well, he's a bona fide genius. His best friend was William Stead, and they had films of them camping, doing funny jokes, like one of them would chop a tree, and then a tree behind it would fall. Just kind of sophisticated humor <laughs> for that era. And so here, I thought whatever you saw on TV, you could be that because of his quote. And then I realized that guys like them are genius. We're all trying our best, but every so often you get a Henry Ford out of the mix. There you go. We got a lot of DNA in the United States. That's why we do so well in the Olympics year after year. Exactly. By the way, Kayla, you look very studious with your glasses on. Thank you. I'm actually writing things down. <clears throat> well, some things. Some things that I find interesting right now. Okay. I'm listening, though. Now, furniture played a big part in the Industrial Revolution, the process. Now, Henry Ford, when he was coming up with the ways of uh, building the assembly line, did pay attention to what the furniture manufacturers were doing. Because they were the ones, as of course, because furniture is more affordable than a car, right? Right. You can ship it uh, easier than you can a car. People can buy it. I could buy a char chair, still buy a chair easier than I can a car. You know, and that was the word of the day then, too. So furniture manufacturers were uh, quick into the Industrial Revolution. And Henry Ford, being a pretty sharp guy, like you said, a genius, uh, went to a number of uh, furniture manufacturers and said, what's up? What are you doing? And knew that he could do it better, and also he had a he had a streak of socialism in him towards the end of his life. You know, he did some strange things, which uh, still is part of our political map. You know, we, we think about it. We we call Orcasio, and what is that um, nice Muslim lady? I forget her name. They they talk about Cortez? socialism. Yeah, well, not our, our not Cortez, but there's a. I forget her name, damn me. But they're talking about things that basically Henry Ford was uh, trying to instill because he built that town where workers could live. And his uh, concept was, you know, a total package of socialism. Well, it, exactly. And that, that brings us to, um, you know, we, we are a capitalist country, but we do have a socialist bent to us because as I've talked to some folks, it's like Social Security which is a very important program for all of us old farts that are getting closer. If we didn't have that, we would be sitting, I'd be sitting on my son's couch, uh, watching TV, <laughs> eating popcorn. And if because I would, <laughs> if he'd have me <laughs> yeah. and, and stuff and also Medicare and Medicaid. And, and those are, those are all programs that, that uh, were considered socialism, but they were necessary for the, for the country to move forward, I believe. Sure. You know, um, as they say, water, water always uh, levels out. So, you know, you got to take care of the people that are struggling for everybody to do well. It's just the way it is. And, and nobody wants to see, good Lord, you know, both of us drove a bus. We see elderly people in the streets. 
and they don't do well. It is, it is, it is so sad to watch older. Well, I live in a 55 plus community and there are people that have been here for 25, 28, 30 years. And they're now they're They got here when they're in their fifties and now they're in their eighties, but social security that they got when they were in their fifties or 65 back then isn't very much. And so they're trying to live on a fixed income. And I want to, I want to shout out, I'm Matt for this because he is well aware of it and he takes extra steps to make sure that he gives back to the elderly because they don't have it. I want to thank you for that. That's wonderful, Matt. They are wonderful. They're a fountain of knowledge and I will have them and we'll watch Twilight Zone. We will watch um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. They open up. They are great nights of people only knew they're there to be tapped. They are just wonderful people to spend the evening with. Wow. And you you give them your food. You get, you take them places. It's, it's because if you didn't, they would be shut in and they'd be sitting in their place. There are people that live around me that I've never seen, never seen leave their place because they're not well. Kevin, oh on more than one occasion, you've mentioned people like Paul McCartney and all my, he holds all my respect, but it's the same thing to have a mill, because to me, they're all Paul McCartney types. They're great listeners, and do they ever have a lot of worldliness to share? And so I receive, and I receive far more just listening to them than what I could ever do for them. But I do what I can. You know, it's interesting, and it's so sad, because I, at one time I had a uh, program that I called uh, Family Legacies, and my, my premise was that I would go interview an older American, an older person that may be in a nursing home now and was uh, not well. And uh, I wanted to do an interview with them so that their family and then present their family with a CD so that they could then have that person's voice and their story forever. And I had a terrible time finding people that were willing to do it because people that were older and are older, and Matt, I think you can verify this, they're, they're like, uh, my life wasn't worth much. Uh, my story is, no, who would want to listen to my story and stuff like that? Well, the people that I interviewed, one was they were married for 55 years. Um, I had five kids. They met because he walked in two days before he was to be shipped out to go overseas in World War II. He walked into the soda shop. She was a soda jerk. And a lot of kids don't know, have any idea what that would mean. But uh, she made barista of the day. That was the barista of the day. And they got to talking. He came back two days later with a ring. They got married. He wow. served overseas. They were and they had five kids, and they were uh, married for fifty-five years. And she didn't think that story was worth telling. That's amazing. Wow. So, so we have got so much richness. That's the one thing that I that I would I would like to have seen or like to see our country change is there's a. Uh, at least in my opinion, there's a division of, of generations. Um, Matt. Kevin, something that greatly offends me is this motion to remove our history and then modify it to those present who didn't build the country. 
And you have these people who did sacrifice, who did build a country, and that we have what we have because of their lives being dedicated to this country, and that their past is being erased, supposedly, instead of being a, being something to be honored forever. Kayla, what do you think? <clears throat> I think the people that have put forth the effort to make the world what it is today, God bless you. Thank you for everything that you have done to make us to where we are today. Even though it's a shit show sometimes, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're all here. So there's well, that softer language I was looking for. <laughs> Here's, you know, we have the Smithsonian Institution. Have you guys of have you guys been been to any of those? I haven't. I, that's that's on my uh, rather short bucket list, quite frankly. <laughs> I've only been there for one. I was only in Washington D.C. for one day, so obviously you can't get to it all. I hear it takes five. It's you know, and then they have acres of storage. You know, they've got buildings. That's where the you know, that's where the Ark of the Covenant Covenant is. I saw that on Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I wouldn't oh. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so we're pretty good at uh, keeping keeping our history in storage or keeping our history attainable, and how we use that. Because I would like Matt. I would like to see it more present. You know, uh, that's something Europe isn't so inclined to do because everywhere you walk, you know, there's a, a building that's, you know, hundreds that's older than the United States. I mean, you can go anywhere in Europe and there's some place that's, you know, you walk into a building that's older than our whole country. Right. And, you know, in fact, um, some of the buildings there that are still being used today, there's a hotel in, in, in uh, Europe. I forget if it's Germany. Maybe it's Italy. I think it's Italy. It's a hotel that was standing during the Roman period. And it's gone through numerous changes. You know, of course, it was a private residence when the Romans built it. And it, it's changed hands, you know, how many, you know, hundreds of times. But that building is still used. You know, not only does that say how well the Romans built things, you know, compared <laughs> to what compared to what we do. But the uh, aqueducts are still working. Aqueducts is still working, and good God, we still, we have plumbing. In fact, you know, I'm sorry, Miami, but uh, you know, there's there's proof that maybe we don't build as well as we should. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but but Matt, do you think do you think that the, we are <clears throat> in in some ways covering up history, or are we exposing more of it so that it's more realistic? I we I'm are not... covering it up. We had a movement recently were statues and monuments that were the beginning stepping stone of this country were destroyed and taken away and then it's under an influence of people who were not born here and the thing is step for step keep everything in check in sync and every facet of american history do not forget question for the three of you do you think it's appropriate to have uh, like a statue of Robert E. Lee uh, up in, in the center of town. Is is that – now, yes, he was an American. Yes, he went to West Point, but he also led the um, 
civil war effort against the United States. Is that is is it does I guess I'm asking does history transcend that at this point? I think history reflects who we want to be as much as who we are. And Robert E. Lee, although I don't uh, totally dismiss the guy and call him a traitor, he was a guy that tried to take down the United States. And he was a guy that uh, wanted to keep people in subversion. And that statue is standing in a place where those people who are easy, black people, are easy to identify. I mean, we see them when they walk down the street and, <laughs> and they walk by the oh, statue. Really? And, it's, and it's exactly like, you know, asking Jewish people to have a, a, a statue of Hitler. Uh, in city squares, you know, there really is no difference. Or, you know, a, a Native American person to see Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. It's like, you know, it's again, another FU. And this is what's great about history, because history is fluid. And it represents our current thoughts, how we achieve them. And it is time to change some things from time to time. Our monuments need to be kept up to date, who we revere as the people who brought us here. Now, I completely support that that uh, Robert E. Lee was a fantastic general, a fantastic influence in the South at a time when they were pushing for their political right to exist, and it didn't prevail. And it should be treated in a way that, uh, yeah, this person... Uh, represented his cause, I believe, justly, but he did not prevail in the United States of America. And these people did, and these people contributed. And there are a lot of great uh, people of that time uh, in the Union Army and in the African-American culture that contributed to the civil rights issues of the day that should be remembered. And uh, uh, I think they're a statue of them belongs in the town square now. Matt? I would replace and put back every statue that was knocked down and taken away because it's a part of our history and we could have other ones up too. Now, I do not like the George Floyd statue because I would rather put a black soldier who was lost in the war or a fallen black police officer than someone who constantly had a life of crime and then one day we had a malfunction with police work. I would have the statement be somebody who truly contributed and is a reflection instead of someone who had a horrible life of crime despite their color. I, you know, I can't argue that. I think uh, George Floyd was a catalyst for sure. And I agree. You know, there were a lot of great black heroes that uh, died on battlefields, that led people into battlefields, that led commerce, that uh, perhaps would be better symbols. Yes, they share the family value. And again, mm -hmm. we do not do enough to show gratitude to our law enforcement and those people who make a difference because so often it's a member of law enforcement fire department, everybody, it's always where that weak link is attack. And then the whole picture, well, please don't start working against it in the first place. The continuity and the cooperation of this country moving forward. 
now we don't have racism anymore. <laughs> I don't know that you can make that statement. I, I wish we didn't, Matt. I wish well, we didn't. Too. We have people trigger happy for getting what caused it in the first place. And the police are doing double duty now. They're made out as bad guys. And now they're trying to get law enforcement back because they see what happens when you have less of them. And again, our law enforcement, they're a melting pot, Barry. They're people of all walks of life, all ethnic backgrounds, and that is America. And that is America. And uh, I completely support that point. But uh, we do have systemic racism that still exists. Uh, when we pass laws, uh, uh, in fact, the voting, the, the current voting, the voting laws that are happening now, a lot of those, although they may not say it, but they do target people that uh, have less means, people that don't have the financial abilities, the, the time away from work or, or ability to get where they are. Uh, we're taking voting precincts out of, uh, out of urban areas and cutting back on ways for people to vote. And that is part of the systemic racism and this whole, this whole business about uh, critical race theory, man, you know, that is a touchy subject. I will give you that because I, I've read a little bit about it and the words that they use are inflammatory, but from their perspective, you know, they talk about the slave, uh, they talk about the uh, cotton, the cotton, um, what do you call that? Where they grew cotton. Um, plantations plantations they they talk about them as uh, war camps these mm -hmm. were you know these were in these were war camps for them and this is something that white people just you know we think of it as uh, mint juleps and and fried chicken in afternoons and and drinking lemonade in beautiful shaded trees in these beautiful uh, georgian manors you know that's how we think of the south and and some of the best hospitality ever conceived by man that's that's how we think of the south you know us white people that you know dress in bow ties and fancy hats that was the southern experience but for black people this was a war camp this was you know this was a whole different uh, this is a whole different reality. And us white people that are in power, have been in power for the past 200 and some years, are really slow to accept the reality of that. In fact, you know, I'm going to take this and, and just read some of the uh, accomplishments that African-Americans have provided to us, you know, in, in opposition of all that they've had to overcome. They've had these great, uh, these great contributions. For one, one of the greatest that every American has participated in, potato chips. <laughs> they made potato chips. They came up with potato chips. Thank you. Now, <laughs> also, yes, sir. The potato chip was invented at the Waldorf Astoria. Oh, is that right? What happened was somebody wanted a thin layer of potato and they wanted it cooked well. So as a joke, somebody in the kitchen sliced it paper thin and kept frying both sides and put it on a plate and gave it to him. Kind of sarcasm. I think they were getting off ship. And the guy liked it and wanted more. And so they tasted that, and the rest is history. It caught on. Wow. Much like yeah. escargot. 
that had to be a joke that they're gone. You can't have uh, <laughs> just one chip. You got to have more. No, you bet you can't more. eat one. But you know, and a greater contribution to to mankind was the blood bank. Really, that was an African American saying, "Hey, man, we should store, you know, all these types of bloods and have it readily available." And that was, you know, that was a damn important uh, contribution. Where would we be without a blood bank, right? That would say that saved countless lives, countless lives, and it will forever because there's so much t technology based on that concept now, you know, that's in the medical field. That, uh, you know, that's that's as important as the time zones. That's as oh important yeah, because refrigerator trucks. That was another contribution. Here's another one. The three light traffic light. That was made by an African-American who witnessed an accident and said, hey, man, you know, we should have a there should be some sort of organizational principle. You know, we've got a green light and a red light. We should put in a yellow one so people know that it's going to get changed in, you know, however many seconds. So and that flew that that happened. That was a that was a great observation that saved a lot of lives as well. Um Here's a here's a couple of big ones. These are two of my favorites. Peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter. I love peanut butter, man. I, I like peanut butter on pancakes. I put peanut butter in my curry. Uh, I eat peanut butter sandwiches. Uh, you name it, man. Yeah, but the question of the day is yeah. crunchy or creamy? Oh, crunchy. <laughs> Got to have crunchy? Okay. Yeah, Got to have crunchy. Creamy is anti-American, man. Unless you have no teeth, you know, then I understand. Yeah, because because the little things get stuck between your teeth and your gums or your That's dentures true. and your gums and stuff like that. Yeah, then I understand. Then you're off the hook, you know, do what you want. But it, it's pretty much crunchy. That's your only option. Otherwise, you know, there isn't a lot to discuss. You win. <laughs> Boy, am I glad. Uh? No, go ahead. <laughs> Here's another one that affects every rich white person in the world. Golf tee. What? Yes, sir. The golf tee. Oh, the golf tee. Upon. Yeah, the golf tee. That was improved upon. That, that of course, already existed because, you know, the Scots came up with golf. But it took an African-American to say, hey, man, let's tee that up properly and came up with the golf tee. His name wasn't Tiger, was it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the folding chair that was uh that was invented by a well the folding desk was invited invented by a woman a black african-american woman who owned a furniture store now the folding chair was also invented by an african-american the ice cream scooper that was invented by an african-american um, the lawnmower was invented by an African-American. Now, America loves lawns, man. Everybody has a lawn. Just about, you know, in the 50s, if you didn't have a green lawn, then you were, you know, people would just walk by your house. Now we've got, you know, gardens of all types, and, you know, thank goodness. But without the lawnmower and the weed whacker, where would we be? Get this. This is a fun one. The first drag queen, the first attributed drag queen, was an African American. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, sir. 
No, yes, ma'am. No, yes, ma'am. Yeah, what, what, whatever. <laughs> so that is, you know, an overview. And, you know, to be honest, when I was going through this stuff, I didn't write down as many serious things as I really should have. Now where our conversation is, I feel bad that, you know, I didn't write down some of the more serious con contributions. But there have been numerous. They've had terrific engineers and doctors that have accomplished and contributed so much. And I wish I really wrote those down. I hope people don't take that and say, hey, man, you know, we did more than potato chips and ice cream scoopers. Which well, I consider both, you know. And and they, they did the lawnmower and, and all of those things were designed to make things a little bit easier. So that if they were uh, uh, working as in the kitchen, as a lot of them did, that it would be easier for them to do stuff. So, um, so can we talk? Sense, would, right? it, would it be okay, um, Eric? I'm I'm really am deficient, and Matt, you as well, in this in this new theory that they're that they're pr proposing or talking about. The one, the what? What's the name of that again? Critical systematic. Yes. And you've done some reading on that, right? S systemic racism or critical race theory? Critical race theory. I don't know how that is that's a new word, a new phrase that's been coming up lately, and I've I don't know what it means. Me well, cr critical race theory has been around for, you know, they've been teaching in law school for decades. You know, that's uh and the fact that they've been teaching at law school tells you a lot about the subject, right? That yeah. tells you that in place there is some systemic issues that are being dealt with. Now, it's in place. This is where it's really kind of, in my opinion, gotten out of hand a bit of uh, the reaction to it. And of course, the reaction on both sides have gotten out of hand, in my opinion, because they're talking about, you know, teaching kindergartners, you know, to hate themselves. Um, because uh, white people feel bad that uh, black people were indentured to service. Well, it's a fact, you know, uh, African-Americans were slaves. And the, our laws, a lot, in fact, a lot of our police force came out of how we treated slaves. You know, if a slave tried to escape, uh, we sent uh, a group after them, a posse after them. And that was pretty much how many of our police forces were fundamentally designed. So there was a certain amount of violence in mind when police forces were structured, more so than countries that did not have slavery. So there are different approaches on critical. So the concept of critical race theory is the view of what it was like to be a person of color in those days in very harsh words uh, versus, uh, you know, that, that picture I painted of what it was like to be a, a genteel white person in the South, drinking lemonades and eating country biscuits with uh, jam in the afternoon and, and uh, guesting your host and having a wonderful time listening to a harp player. And the reason that they were able to do that is because they had somebody else that was mowing the lawn and making the biscuits and cleaning the house and building the buildings and doing all of that, and they were not paid. they That's what you call slavery. In fact, Lincoln had a great, uh, a great 
speech about that. And I'm going to see if I can find the words because he summed up democracy in a sentence. And I'm going to, I'm going to cut this way down because it's, you know, it's a long speech, but it's basically, I would not be a master as I would not be a slave or I would not be a slave. And so I would not be a master. That's his concept of democracy. And yes, sir. No, well, just go ahead. Go ahead. You're doing so beautiful, you, man. So you, you can imagine the politics involved when you have, you know, the, the past couple of years with um, the riots, mm -hmm. uh, people marching in the streets, uh, demanding that things change. And of course there was property damage as there always is when a protest turns into a riot. Um, there's some serious politics involved and it involved, you know, Hey, we're still looking at uh, these, these uh, people that enslaved us generally. We want these, uh, these things are offensive to us. We want them dealt with. These are difficult for people to accept that uh, the structures of America that we've always thought of was good and kind offend people on a daily basis. That's critical race theory in a nutshell. I, I just wanted to make a, a statement on just on behalf of myself and nobody else. Uh, I believe if, for me, I mean, there's, a, there's a guy at, at, at work. He's uh, he works at South Base. He's now a part timer. And on his license plate, he has a Confederate battle flag. Hmm. To me, that is basically excuse the expression, folks, but this the FCC isn't going to isn't going to mind. That's basically a fuck you to to uh, the American flag and the American people. That's 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 my humble opinion about that and 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 i get the fact i used to i used to travel a great deal in the south and i get the fact that they have they have state pride they they, they in georgia and alabama and mississippi they didn't win the war the civil war but they still have got pride in what they were accomplished and and their 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 communities and who they are and i get that but the confederate flag was a traitor flag it, and they killed 300 or 400,000 uh, Union soldiers, yes, sir. There is a black movement back south to restore the Confederate flag with many black people in uniform waving that Confederate flag, saying there's a distinction and people do not understand its true meaning. There you go. That would be what? I don't recall the name of it, but I have come across it and read it and saved pictures and stuff. And so we have people who are not white from this country, generations, that greatly understand it to be a good thing to them, display it, and um, kind of protest in favor of it. This is but how such wonderful. A thing, but such a thing does take place in this country today. This is how wonderfully messy our country is. <laughs> Boy, no kidding. You know? no kidding. <laughs> because that's obviously a pocket that uh, we wouldn't uh, know about unless Matt would tell us. And that's what's beautiful about this country, you know, is there's so many opposing and pulling energies. For example, I was just listening to NPR yesterday. And, ah, what, 
now the name of the guy escapes me, but he just won a Grammy uh, for soul. He wrote some jazz music, another uh, contribution to the world out of uh, America was jazz music. And one of the things that uh, this didn't win the Grammy, but one of the things that uh, he's known for, you guys know there's a black anthem out there, right? Uh... Lift us up. Lift Us Up is is the Black National Anthem, and that's been out there for almost 100 years. Oh, we'll have to find that and play it. 80-some years. It, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song, man. And this guy, and it's written in a different time signature than the Star Spangled Banner, which is, or the National Anthem, which is written in 4-4. And he's combined these two time signatures, and they overlap. And he played this. He took uh, the interview, he took the piece and he broke it down and explained what he was doing and he says you know when you overlap these two pieces you can see how it builds tension and then it releases it builds tension and it releases and it lines up every so many measures beautifully it's almost like it was conceived to do this like the two parties like the white people said we're going to come up with this and the black people said we're going to come up with this and at some time it's going to be combined and it's going to blow everybody's mind and it does it's absolutely beautiful that i wish i had i, I should have had the forethought to play that because that is the great thing about america all this pushing and pulling this tension and then release and we move forward matt what we are greatly overlooking about the building of America is the Native American. Mm. Because initially we came here uninvited, we were accommodated, and then we violated. And so maybe we're a second or third story, but we're not the foundation of it. We get ahead of ourselves and we're talking about other ethnic backgrounds that came here after the Native American was initially here. Everybody jump in on that one. Nobody wants to admit that we basically caused a genocide for over 3 million people when we got here. Nobody wants to admit that that was part of our culture when we decided that we were going to have Western expansion. First, the Louisiana Purchase, which we got from France, from virtually nothing. And then, and then, of course, we had a war with Mexico, and so we took some of that, and then, um, and that gave us coast to coast, and we decided that we were going to have Western expansion, and it didn't matter. I was, I was reading a, another documentary about the Black Hills, and what they did to the Sioux. It, it, it's unconscionable what we did, and it's not reflected in the history books, at least to my satisfaction. Uh, Eric, what do you think? That is a whole nother afternoon of raising and, and slamming our fists because, Matt, you nailed it. You know, we we ignore what we've done to the Native Americans and what we've done to the Native Americans and rivals what uh, the Germans did to the Jews and what the Americans did to African-American culture as well, where you could also say the Americans built African-American culture because they brought them here to the United States, put that melting pot of, you know, hundreds of tribes together and something pretty wonderful came out of it. But 
they didn't uh, have the control to wipe out the culture in Africa that the Americans had the control to wipe out the culture in the United States. And Germany didn't have the power to wipe out the culture of the Jews in the world. So the Americans had the power to wipe out a culture and came damn close to succeeding so much. And I'm just going to admit this. I didn't even look up the accomplishments Native Americans or the contributions Native Americans have made to American technologies and uh, business. I just didn't even, I, I didn't want it to piss me off. I understand completely. I've got something. August didn't for a minute. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> My thought right now is what if we took the flags completely away? If we had no flag to dignify our countries and all the countries around, what would what would that make a difference? If we did not have a flag, would that make the divine and the separation not be there anymore? Didn't John Lennon write a, a song about that? I don't know. Which which which, which one? Um, imagine, imagine. It, yeah, yeah. Ima imagine would be one. Um, Instant karma would be another. And, uh, no. you know, uh, I love the idea. Um, since America really still at the moment is the center of commerce in the world, it's probably in our best interest to keep that. <laughs> <laughs> That's selfish. I, I know. But I think um, I'm with you, Kayla. If uh, we got rid of that somehow, I think that's a um, a moment of uh, awareness that we're going to need a couple more hundred years to get to. Sadly. Matt? I like what Kayla expressed because these riots and stuff are not calling unification. They're causing segregation, hate, damage, loss of life. And her way absolutely blends everything to move forward. But once again, we are the tenants here. We're the renters. We're doing a Korea, so to say, battling on their land. Period. I I pay one of the pay rent to one of the tribes in the area. Every month they have you can make a contribution to a tribe, and they call it rent. You know, would you like to pay us rent each month? And I say, yeah, I'll do that. It's a symbolic thing. How do you get rid of uh, barriers to do that? You know, what a great idea, but we're getting, because uh, corporations now, some of them have economies that are bigger than some countries. Amazon. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think the Beatles, when they're at their height, they were saying what towns of America they could buy, the Fab Four. <laughs> the four of them had enough millions where these little rinky-dinky towns, they're just giving an example, a graphic on how wealthy they were. Now, initially, we're talking about America and inventions, and I like the way we're splitting here, the different topics, but I got some America stuff to throw in for Excellent. 4th Good. of July and that. Do we Good. simply do that at this point? Well, I'll tell you what, we're coming to the top of the hour, and uh, and I know that Eric is going to need a break and for for a brief moment or two and and stuff and so what what we'll do is uh, matt let's save that to reset it at the top of the hour 
because uh, I, I had an important question to ask Kayla that uh, that only she will be able to answer this type of question. And that and this is my my whole premise, Matt, for uh, our unity of our country comes down to this. Kayla, do you you have a 10 year old son? No pressure. No pressure at all. Have you? I know you haven't had the sex talk with him, and that's a story for another time. But have you had the the talk about what you must do if you come across a uh, police officer who stops you? Has that entered your consciousness? Yeah. I would submit. That's a good friend right there. Yes, I would submit that I have. I have friends of blended families a white white woman and a black man or vice versa and they have blended children each one of them has at a very early age had to have a talk about how you behave keep your hands on the steering wheel um yes sir no sir do not step out of line in any way do not make any threatening moves in any way and that is particularly acute in the black community because they feel like they have to white yeah. kids don't have that conversation until we get to the point where nobody has to have that conversation we got more work to do but where's the point in time when I'm going to sound like a dick for saying this. Where's the point in time when it comes to when they stop playing victim? When they because stop getting killed. I, I understand that. But they're also making it sound like they're a victim for something that's happened so many years ago. Yes, it's pathetically, there's still so much race and bullshit in this world that divides each and every one of us. And it's sickening, it's sad, it's pathetic. I'm not racist. I wasn't born racist. No child's born racist. They see people as just equal. You are taught to be racist. You are taught to be that POS that you are by human nature and being taught something. Children don't learn it. It's taught. That's sad. This is crap that 10-year-old colored children need to be taught, okay, if you get pulled over or if you're walking down the side of the road at a different time at a curfew, then you need to do this or take these precautions. But yet, here's this white little cracker kid walking around hunky-dory, don't get nothing. When is it going to stop? That's my problem. Look, when? Here, here's an example. Here's an example of what they're dealing with. I can't remember the name of the shooter. But there was a guy that shot several people and he was hungry after they arrested him, picked him up. And on the way back to the police uh, precinct, they bought him a cheeseburger. Now, Floyd, you know, what would he have a counterfeit 20? And he had a knee on his neck for nine minutes and 38 seconds or whatever it was. I know, have so never... there's, there's a systemic uh, there's a systemic issue that needs to be dealt with. I have never heard anyone say that the 20 that was in question was actually a counterfeit bill. Has anybody? I think I think I did hear it was. I heard was that, that. Is that right, Matt? Was it? I heard that he had counterfeit money. And again, a lot of people stood up to vouch of his consistent criminal record. 
Yeah, it was sad shady. that it resulted in a police officer doing a wrong practice that caused it. But he was like Rodney King. He was a career criminal over and over again. People forget Rodney King, double-digit illegitimate kids driving 100 miles an hour plus in a residential area, renowned for fist fighting the police. They forget that. They see that moment where he loses, even though nobody should lose there. They should be brought into custody. What I really like about our conversations is that we can have a conversation. And we can at times disagree, perhaps, and have different viewpoints, but we're having a conversation and nobody's yelling and screaming and shouting at the top of their desk to try and except for Kayla. And but but that's okay because she's the salty one. So but Matt, when we come back from this break, we're gonna talk about some of the funnier things that Americans have made and that and we're gonna and and by the way, heard from my cousin or my nephew who is in Europe, he's in the Netherlands, and uh, this particular artist that we had on our show a couple of times, her name is Fia, and I'm going to play Love is Love, which is a beautiful song that she wrote, and uh, we'll be back in about, oh, three minutes and 30 seconds or so. Okay. The way we love is a bit unusual Some people say it can't be possible To live a life in unity Committed to each other while still remaining free Just because we're different in the way our energy moves doesn't mean we have to give up our truth Love is love no matter what color and form All are equally beautiful Nothing better than being met In my fullest expression I'm safe to be myself There's no need to compromise When I'm in my power Everything aligns Just because we're different In the way our energy moves Doesn't mean we have to give up our truth Love is love no matter what color and form All are equally beautiful Some people say it can't be possible to live a life in unity Committed to each other while still remaining free Just because we're different in the way our energy 
doesn't mean we have to give up our truth. Love is love, no matter what color and form. All are equally beautiful. And we are back. And yeah, everybody actually made it back on time. Congratulations, everyone. You did you did really good. And and uh and I'll throw this out there just to, to start the second the second hour, is that I honestly believe that music, music like that, is the type of music that will change the world. And uh if we can all uh, agree that that we are all one and we all want to live together. I think the gospel, according to Gene Roddenberry, had it best. Um, in the twenty, yeah, in the twenty-third century, it was a united uh, federation of planets, and we were one planet, not a hundred and ninety countries. There we go. It, it would be long term. I think it would be. And Kayla, that's that means that we all fly under one flag. And it's the banner of the United uh, Federation of Planets. What do you guys think? Oh, I love it. In fact, uh, Nicole, uh, what was her? Su uh, Nicole, uh, Lieutenant Uhura, just oh, yeah. uh, she christened recently uh, the United Federation of Planets. There's some organization that started calling themselves the United Federation of Planets. <laughs> really? And she got to christen it, yes. What I like is somebody ran a business where you could pick a star, they will sell it to you, and it's named after you. But you got to have the coordinates, the telescope, and I guess a battle ensued after that. That's not your star and whatever, but you got the gift, you got the certificate for it and everything like it. That was I a nice that. Christmas gift for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> I gave that as a wedding gift to a, a couple once. I thought it was awesome. Really? So you get a framed, you get a framed, uh, framed thing of it. This is my star, you know. There are more, more stars than there are people. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, question, uh, trivia quiz. What is Lieutenant O'Hara known for? That's well, a number of things. I mean, she she did the first interracial kiss on TV. That's the one. There you that's, go. That in 1967 or 68, I can't remember which season it was, but that was the first interracial kiss in American TV. Now, keep in mind, 10 years before that, um, the Dick Van Dyke show was the first one where they had a double bed. Oh, they did put the beds together? Yeah, then in the Dick Van, go ahead, Matt. Every the Dick fan. Van Dyke show, I saw Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke talking about the show. And initially, they must have a nightstand between their two beds. It started off that way because that's where America was. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah so good. good. good and, and, they're getting around to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's how much we continue to change. 
and as a as a country, and we're continuing to move forward. I I have I I have an optimistic viewpoint. I think that we can get stuff done if we really work on it. But the, the one thing that we need to know about is what inventions did we create, Matt, that we cannot live without today. Okay, here we go. I want to backtrack to the beginning of our show and our wonderful 4th of July holiday. I will ask this trivia question because it usually stumps the panel. Once in a while, somebody could get it. We discussed it before the show. But what famous musician is credited for being on July 4th? Adam Kayla, would you like to take a guess? <laughs> well, Louis Armstrong was born in an era where there were those who had a hard upbringing and they did not actually know their birth date. So when he achieved his fame and for the history books, he got a picket and he asked, what year would you like? And he said, well, 1900, it was a nice round number. One day he says, oh, I love July 4th. So he got <laughs> to pick his birthday. See, there are good things that happen if, you, if you're brought up in a manner that is that you, you don't even have any records as far as your 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 birth. I okay. miss that guy. Now, here is something that greatly disappoints me amongst the three of you. I haven't heard is you mention the name author Spud Mellon lately. Spud Mellon? Author. Author Spud Mellon. Arthur. Was Arthur. He, oh, Arthur. Arthur Spud, Spud Mellon. Mellon. Was, was and, he a basketball player? No, he was co-founder that did a big thing for Whammo. Remember those guys, the real cheap Christmas toys? Because in 1958, they invented the hula hoop. And in 1963, Flammo, while they were still in business with their cheap commercials, flooded the TV with a horrible cheap commercials. And they sold $25 million in four months. That bad. What it, yes. Can, can no, that's it? America. That's good capitalism. Sorry, I pulled up pictures that I Googled in it, in the hula hoop. Right as soon as he said hula hoop, I looked at the hula hoop. That's, that's awesome. why I was like, <laughs> That's awesome. Did, have yeah. you ever used a hula hoop, Kayla? Yes. Okay. Actually, just Everybody, I'm two sorry. months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now they also Everybody here has done it at least a few times growing up. I never could master the hula hoop, I'm afraid. No. It was one of my major failings in life. Oh. But they, didn't they also develop the uh, Frisbee? I don't know. I should look that up. I know their name is stamped on it, but anything made out of plastic that cheaps, 50-50 chance it'll have their name on it. And they can't sue me because they've been gone for years. <laughs> Oh, come on. Somebody's going to sue you. Anybody can sue anything, anybody for anything at any time. It doesn't matter. This is American. It is America. So what else you got, Matt? This is kind of a giveaway. When I mentioned the inventor's name, the great American, Samuel J. Popeil, 1963. And quick, what was that invention? <laughs> Popeil? What yeah. Was Oh gosh, well he's so well known. It's right on the tip of it my It was tongue. the Vegematic. Vegematic. <laughs> because it didn't require electricity. It just had its springs or whatever. And that was also one of the very first TV commercials to use a black actor. When he was selling really? them, 
you would see a black set of graceful hands showing how the product could be used. And on TV years later, I was watching an interview on that. But they sold, I don't know how great the company did, but that was a one-hit wonder that competed with a hula hoop. Practically everybody had one somewhere, a Vegematic. Uh, and, yes. and Saturday Saturday, Saturday Night Live spoofed that with the, ba you'd like this, with the Bassomatic. <laughs> I remember that because that was John Matuzak that did it. Oh, is that right? Remember, that was John Matuzak because Matuzak was a rough guy that should have been in prison half the time. And then they broke his heart with counseling. And then he came out, did shows, and he'd point at people and say, get out the phone book. You need help. So he finished up being quite a lovable bruiser. But that was John Batuzak doing that. Wow. And Man. we got another one. We got another one. The name Otto Rowetter. Now, come on. We're talking <laughs> July 6th, 1928, because... It's up there with sliced bread or just as good as sliced bread. He invented sliced bread. Wow. And he Thank changed you, the world as we know it today. And to my notes, it was uncontested. Uncontested. It was He's an uncontested invention. When you're right, you're right. So this is my contribution today. You see? Look at that. Sliced bread. <laughs> Look at Man. that. Sliced bread, a vegematic, a hula hoop. Man, Aren't many you jealous. I just upstaged all of you. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just going to Nikola Tesla. So he's you, know, you know, Matt, many years from now, many, many years from now, when when you've gone to the great beyond, we need to have your brain uh, dissected <laughs> to find out why it's so different. Cry, well, it'll be this soul, and I think they have people like people from the past it wouldn't be on the same shelf as einstein's but they have others that were kind of notorious i'd be on that side of the shelf disney is a uh, section cry, cry what are the cry cryonically frozen they got his head cut off and his head is in some bucket somewhere on a shelf and it's sub-zero temperature waiting, waiting for the bionic. disney yeah. oh walt disney yeah walt disney's head is in there and okay well they won't have me in his wing yeah. Hey, you know, you're still a young man. You're still a young man. There's time. And you're you're an author of nine books. That's that's why you're so learned. You've been writing and learning and stuff. We got more coming out, and incidentally, Matt Shea Books is going to employ Kevin McDonald for some future narrating. Yay! Because Excellent. you are that good. Excellent. Have we sold any books? <laughs> yes, we have. Hey, good. Hey, there's good news. Let's start to click. There's some good news. There's some that's good that's news. awesome. So let's let's put a plug out there. If you would like to go to matchabooks.net, and um, and you can pick up, you can you can buy Elmo. Which, by the way, I voiced Elmo for him. It is a phenomenal story. It it I was crying during parts of it. It was so good. While I, I was cried voicing, when I wrote it. When I write stories, I will start to cry at night. And that means I'm going to be writing until sunrise. Oh wow! And and of course, Eric is also quite an author, and he he's uh, d d the last one he wrote was nothing short of sensationally icky, uh, but it was really it was really <laughs> I thought it was beautiful, man. <laughs> I guess I need some work. <laughs> you may you mail it to Kayla and have her look at it and see, and then if she approves it, we'll read it on the air. Okay, we'll do that. 
She, that, that. Do, you, do you like naked hiking, Caleb? I've never <laughs> thought of it. What? Never you, never, of it. you never well, thought I mean, of it? Like naked and afraid and like doing that for 21 days, but oh. I don't know if I can do with all those bugs. Well, hiking and hiking naked is kind of a thing. And I, I wrote a short story. I mean, a couple of paragraphs of a woman hiking. Did she give herself black eyes while walking? No. Uh, yeah. it, was a, it was a correlation of the fertile, fertile, you know, the fertile woman and the fertile earth. That was a combination of that. Okay. It, it was. Are you, are you telling me that there are people that actually will take their clothes off and go hiking in the woods? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They're yeah. just new beaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to hike at night. <laughs> and I, I would see things. Yes, sir. <laughs> we had a friend who loved to do that. He was very cultured and he appreciated a nude beach. It was nothing um, considered dirty. And places he could walk and trail. At one time, he wasn't sure this way or that way. And there he walks right into families well-dressed like a church function. He apparently had gotten lost and made his way out of the woods. You know, I had a dream about that. Yeah, one I, don't, I don't blame I can't do any of that. I, I would. Did you? See, I can't, I can't do things like that. You know, I would trip. <laughs> Hold on. No, I, I, I killed that. So. Uh, bump bump. Taylor, are you enjoying the guys today? <laughs> I can honestly say I, I posted a a healing prayer for myself in Mary Beckman's group. And right in the beginning of the podcast, um, I got a ding and I read what she sent me. And she's like, just by chance, did you um, feel anything? Well, I think she's put me naked running in a field somewhere in La La Land because... <laughs> I'm not all the way here. I know. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. You can you just whenever you wake up, you can come on back. We're 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 ready for you. I'm so. waiting for the light bulb to come back on, and it's not working. By the way, by the way, while while we have a moment, um, I would like to tell people a couple of things about what we have going here on on this fine here podcast. One of which is that you can now give us a call if you would like to. There's a number that's flashing across your screen, and you can give us a call and you can join in the conversation um, and and talk to us via telephone, not just uh, via comments, which is which is really cool. And the other thing is we're um, dividing our show. We're going to be live Monday through Friday. Get this, Eric and, and Matt. And Kayla already knows. But we're going to be live Monday through Friday. And we've divided each day into different types of segments. Monday is going to be Metaphysical Monday, which means that if you tune in on Monday, I can't guarantee what you're going to hear. But it's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be about energy and about... Oh, lions, tigers, dragons, and, and leprechauns, uh, or, or different things like that. Tuesday is going to be uh, Teaching Tuesday, and that's going to be, uh, of course, Coriel has got her show, and then we're going to do uh, live coaching. And you'll be able to call into that, and we're going to have a couple of life coaches that are going to be on so that you can uh, talk about whatever you need to talk about and, and get some advice. Yes, Matt? It is official. The Frisbee did indeed hail from whoops the flammel corporation they called it the flying disc and then it went on to be the frisbee so that was a flammel product 
I'm greatly impressed. Right, well, and and you just came out of the water. Uh, well, I'm going to do something about that. <laughs> okay. Maybe he does. He's not a professional swimmer because he doesn't shave. <laughs> <laughs> but we could coach him on Tuesdays. That was a flannel product. That's why it fell apart. Oh, okay. For those yeah. of you who need a reference as to what in the world Eric is talking about, if you're a competitive swimmer, you shave every hair off your body. It's your legs, your back, your stomach. Yes, under even your arms, under your arms. Yeah. Yes, and every, everywhere that could possibly uh, cause create drag. drag. You, That's you, right. You, that's that's right. So, and in any event, so on Wednesday is going to be the lunch club, and we're going to be doing this every Wednesday. So come on and join us, and we we love to we love to have you. We like to laugh. We like to. T sometimes we get serious. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get serious. Then we get funny, and then we get serious, and then we get funny again, which is kind of what we're doing today. And uh, then on Thursday is Music Thursday. And uh, uh, by the way, I have to tell you the uh, and Matt, you'll appreciate this. Last week, I interviewed a guy by the name of uh, um, Matt Weston, and he was just given an award because he wrote a song called the the um, the Thin Blue Line, and it's a it's a, a song that is dedicated to our policemen in action, and uh, he just won uh, a major award in Nashville over the last yes yes it went viral. And he tried to hide it a bit, but it got out there anyway. Wonderful. And well, and and I played it on the show. He was on my show last week, and and we played that, and the, and he was he was very proud of it. And uh, it's so it it has it's gonna go viral. It's gonna go very big. So if you want, that's Matt Weston, and you can go and look at that podcast. And uh, he is, as a matter of fact, um, Kayla was about ready. To give up her ten-year-old or three-year-old or husband and move to Nashville, so that you know, he's in Chicago actually, uh, or Pittsburgh. But uh, she was she was going to dump it all because he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, if you're watching, please look him up. <laughs> You'll be justified by looking at his picture. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was she was like he's that man's hot 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 hot. And, <laughs> He's got a baby face, so like hearing that deep masculine manly like tone come out was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, so that that was really good, and then and then on Friday it's going to be media and uh, um, entrepreneur Friday, so we're going to divide it up into different segments. So if you don't like if you don't like the metaphysical stuff, and I get that some of you don't, um, tune in to some of the other days, and and you'll have a good time. Um, especially on Wednesday, because we're planning on doing all kinds of fun stuff, aren't we, guys? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That looks like fun. I'm hungry, though, so I'm definitely ready for Lunch Club to come about. Well, yeah, we got something that we have not done yet, actually eat while we, you know, I was going to eat hot dogs today, but uh, I didn't <laughs> get out there. Well, we, we've got we've got some work to do to be able to go out to restaurants and stuff, but we're going to get that done. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, Matt, do you have more inventions that you'd like to talk about? I've run out of steam. Oh, I've got a couple more. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, Eric. Do I've got a couple more. Here's another one that changed the world map, literally. And, you know, affected everybody's pocketbook, the Panama Canal. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Talk about talk about the Panama Canal, sir. Although you're frozen right now. Well, the Panama Canal. There's a controversy there. Uh, we funded the project and made it happen, and then Jimmy Carter gave it away. And it wasn't our land, but it was our project. And a lot of people had contracted malaria and stuff. There's quite a price to pay that, but we certainly did an opening for the free world. Which is a good thing for us to do from time to time, I would think. It is, but um, there's a lot of unsung heroes from the American side. It wouldn't have happened if they didn't make their sacrifice. Oh, no there question. You there you go. No and question. It, saves, it saves how much time? I mean, a week or something like that for a, a ship to go down south through the tip of Africa and then back up. And, and not to mention, you know, the danger of that, you know, it... Uh, the fact that it saves so many lives, not only just time, but, uh, you know, the, the safety factor. And, and we're talking about pleasure boats, too. You know, I have a buddy of mine that was a sailor for a while. Here's a guy that lives right. Uh, when he was so in his 20s, he was one of those sailors. You know, not I'm not talking about, you know, Merchant Marine. He was the kind that uh, sailed uh, sailboats and did the America's Cup, that kind of thing. And he would get paid to be on cruise that would take people's sailboats that they bought, you know, in, in Europe and then bring it over to Hawaii where they pick it up. That was his yep. job. There's a job. For you. There's a job for you. Yeah. Yes, Matt. My brother Paul's one of these computer geniuses. He was a professional cartoonist for a while where he oh had been God. published a lot at pod classes. He wow. could juggle. He, um, he's the most interesting person I've met in my life. And he was my brother. We shared bedrooms, you know, as a kid for a while. One of the genius things he did was when Y2K was coming by himself, his company sent him to the Panama Canal and he set it all up. So it would guarantee not to shut down when the year 2000 hit. Oh, so wow. he did his job flawlessly, walked right through a piece of cake for him. And he told me that that Panama Canal makes millions of dollars every day charging people to use it. I'm not surprised. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised because they had a problem there a couple months ago. One of the ships ran aground and blocked, you know, for like, what, five, six days? And billions was lost just, you know, in, in a, basically a week of time until they could get this thing loosened and make room for other ships to go through. And essentially, America built it for free with a lot of human life not making it home. Wow. Well, there you go. You know, capitalism at its best, serving mankind. I've got a name for you guys. What was yes. Thomas Edison known for? Besides the light bulb? Besides the light bulb. <laughs> We're getting uh -huh. set up, guys. What is it, Kayla? <laughs> We're not getting set up. It was, he made a stencil pin, right? A stencil pin? That was a stencil pin that was then in, turned in in 1876. And then in 1891, Samuel F. O'Reilly made it into a tattoo gun. Oh, wow. So he took Thomas Edison's invention of a stencil pen and turned Samuel F. O'Reilly turned it into a tattoo gun. 
from his where work. Would, where would millennials be without the tattoo gun? I tell you. Tattoo. But there we go. Uh, so, so now we've got a uh, uh, cross current of cultures or of, of, of generations here. Um, Matt, do you have any tattoos? No, I don't. Eric. Me neither. It's a generational thing. How come it's you guys are all painted? I've got enough for all of you. That's all right. My sons are all painted. And I ask are them, why, why do you get these tattoos? Well, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Self-expression. My sister has one. Has a couple, I think, by now. I, you know, I, she's older than me. I don't, you know, well, I just, you know, what, what would I choose to put on there? Good God, yeah, but yeah, yes. I had two friends who are no more friends, <laughs> yeah. and the reason why is when they graduated from high school. They agreed to drink a lot of alcohol, go to New Orleans, live it up, and they would each get a tattoo. And so it's you go first, and his buddy got one. And when it was his turn, he felt guilty. He called his mom. She gave him a lecture. He didn't get it. They don't talk to each other anymore. Wow. <laughs> See, there you go. I, You know, I could shave my head and get a tattoo of hair. That would save me all kinds of time. Then you could just I've, shave every day and have a head full of hair and not worry about it. That would work great for you, Kevin. I you thought know, we could do that. that. Yeah. I thought about getting a, a tuxedo, get a full length tuxedo. Uh, then I'd be dressed <laughs> up and ready to go. Let's go, babe. You know, except your tie could work. Your, your tie would have, or your cummerbund would have to cover. Well, never mind. It would have to be a. Can you, you know, tie it in a knot? Can you? Does it have low? Can you tie it in a knot in a bow? I forget I how my said, I, that. Like I said, I trip if I try to naked hike. So that is a tricky area. I'll give you that. Well, <laughs> I, I did I did something years ago that you guys probably wouldn't have even thought about. I interviewed somebody that that had a a production and it was a stage production. They were from Australia and it was called Puppetry of the Penis. I remember those guys. They ran an ad on the newspaper. They were that. In hell. that was you. You did that. I, I didn't do that. I interviewed <laughs> them. Oh, you interviewed remember them. them. Yeah, okay, that's a different story. Okay, that's right. That's right. They, they explained how it all worked because they had to keep the studio or the the, 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 the theater at like seventy four degrees. This is how many degrees. About seventy four, because if they oh. if it was less than that, they might have shrinkage, and then they can't do all the puppets that they were planning on doing. Can you imagine the interview for that? I would like to be part of puppetry of the penis. Okay, drop your pants. We we need to see if you're equipped to do this. If I had a winky, I would definitely do it. Okay. <laughs> right. The first the first dance concert I did, I had to do naked. What? Yeah. Like is there a video of this? Huh? <laughs> is there a what? video? No, no but there is a painting video. because there was a guy in the audience who said, "You know, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to paint that." No, he said, uh, I, "I'd like to paint you," and I did pose, and I've got the picture now. I've got the. So piece. so now, how many people did that? In the, was it a whole dance troupe, or were you just out there drunken by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I was part of a group. I was part of a group, but I was a single person out there. Was it a co-ed group? Yeah. So yeah. it was girls. Mary wasn't part of that, was she? I I gotta no, find no. that. Mary didn't. Mary didn't dance. I don't know why not. She always had the ability. 
but uh, she didn't have the desire to do so. So, so how did you come? How did this come about? Because this it goes back way back to the early '80s, doesn't it? Yeah, that makes sense. I think that, I think that was about eighty-two, eighty-three. So, how did like you get that. roped into dancing naked in front of a bunch of people? Well, I, I've just that crazy. kind of ego, man. I mean, I've got this huge ego that's out of control. Somebody gives me an opportunity to do something, say, so "Yeah, I'm in." And you know, I don't, I don't have boundaries. I'm not, you know, some normal person who knows how to say no. I just, you know, would you do this? Sure, I'll do that. That sounds great. I the first job I got out of high school, I lied to get. I told you I worked at the Cairo Broadcast House, right? Right. And uh, went in for the interview because this buddy of mine knew that I like to cook a little bit. He just said, you know, go in and and uh, tell him you worked at all these places. Okay. So I show up and through the interview, I told them where all I worked, you know, but instead of being the dishwasher or bus boy, I was the sous chef or I was a prep cook or I was the assistant chef at this kind of place. And I just exchanged the time they hired me. And, you know, it took the, the chef from Cairo to, you know, five minutes when he asked me to hand him a calendar, a colander, and I handed him a spatula. But <laughs> you don't know how to cook and, uh, you know, busted. But uh <laughs> He kept through a long story that I won't tell now. He did keep me on and he did teach me how to cook. So I've got that kind of ego. I'll, I'll you know, I'll do it. I'll say anything and I'll, you know, get roped in. Sure, I'll do that. Like somebody once said, hey, do you want to come on the radio? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so, you know, here, I, here I am. I just don't have the ability to say, you know, no. Yes, Matt. See, it worked. Yes, Matt. <laughs> okay. To sidetrack you. Those gentlemen from Australia were puppeteers Simon Morley and his fellow puppeteer friend, David Friend. And when they went to some nightclub, they uh, were a huge hit overnight, and the rest is history, to the point where Kevin McDonald himself interviewed them. That's I the know. level they got in society. That's I interviewed Mr. Friendly. He is, isn't he? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Well, and a couple of, I, uh, of the ladies that I worked with. I'm Mr. Frenzy. <laughs> Hello. They, they, for those that have never, what they would do is they were, they were on stage. They were, they were on stage butt naked, right? And then they had a, a camera that was focused on their genitals and a big screen TV or a big screen behind them. And then they would say, this is a hamburger. Then they whip it into some sort of shape and it looked like a hamburger and stuff. And so that then they had a whole skit, bunches of skits that were surrounded around that uh, it was, it was really quite, quite the interesting thing. And that's, were the, actually, that's the pinnacle of theater. <laughs> Kayla, is your family watching this show? No, I hope not. My sister, if she's watching this, she's like, yes! <laughs> so if they ever, but Kayla, if they ever come back, they're apparently they're highly entertaining. And they're from Australia, so they have no shame. Like, how do you make your winky into a hamburger? First of all, you have to have enough material to work with. And a big hammer. Yeah. <laughs> so... So, so there is, yeah, I'm not going to, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. <clears throat> I never saw him perform. He he was going to come into the studio and we were going to have a really good time with him, but he had to do it by phone. So, 
I didn't I didn't get to see Mr. Friendly that, or Mr. Friendly. That probably worked out just fine. It for me it did. <laughs> for for me it, it did. Yeah. Fine. I yeah. probably would be like as red as a tomato if I didn't interview with him. I wouldn't be able to keep it together. Just just like with Matt uh, Weston the other day, you were <laughs> you you were ready to uh, to talk with him in a private manner. <laughs> now, uh, did you did you know that uh, America also, an American also came up with a trans trans oceanic cable? Not that I've tried to switch subjects. <laughs> <laughs> now there, that's a hell of a segue. <laughs> But the trans, the transoceanic cable. This happened before the telephone. You remember when you took uh, two drinking cups and you stretched a string between them? Yep. That's basically what the cable is. And then he used uh, Morse code. And they stretched this down between the United States and Britain. They laid that cable across the ocean so that the two presidents could. Samuel Morris. Um, no, some other dude, but okay. they use Morse code. Yeah, but they did use Morse code so they could communicate. That was that was invented in America. Now is, you know we haven't talked about a bunch of stuff like the like the polio vaccine, which has oh, turned man. turned out to be a huge big deal. Penicillin. Uh, yeah, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday, and he said that uh, um, the Rotary clubs throughout the United States, and I think this is really cool that the, what they're doing is they're they're working to eradicate polio it still exists in some countries polio astonishing. does astonishing and they he said they had it down to like three countries and they're working on those to uh, eradicate polio from humanity which would be which would be awesome that would be that would be that's okay who's gonna talk next yeah <laughs> Um, you know, we've already talked about the nuclear reactor and, of course, the change in that. But the nuclear reactor, I mean, that's uh, you can look at it as uh, clean energy and certain to a certain extent. Samuel you know, Finley. Was that was that the guy that came up with the nuclear Morse reactor? Code. Nope. Morse codes. Morse Samuel. Code. His name wasn't Morse. Why do they call it Morse code Morse. if his name is Finley? No. Morse, Morse invented the Morse code. Reese Morris. Oh, ah, ah. Well, see, we've been we've we're working here to be educational for everyone. <laughs> Trying. What is that? Oh, is that is that Morse code? Cigar? No, it's a cigar cutter. I don't know. It just came. An idea came to me about the penis puppetry. <laughs> I've got. You're a little bit too big for the part. We're gonna have to cut your part down a little bit. They no, they call that circumcision. I'm going to throw something in about the Morse code. Remember Iron Butterfly? Remember those guys? The group, absolutely. The, the well, when yeah. they first came out with the Iron Butterfly theme song, people went crazy what they were doing, and it finished up with the Boris Karloff-type chamber hearing the Morse code hitting. It was actually sending out a message. Do you know what the message was at the end of that song, of that echo chamber that was just evil and industrial sos it, it was saying we love you oh golly see now wow. that that's a nice message to be sending folks that is a nice message see yes and 
So what, what? Let's see. Um, coming out of the space program, what did we develop? What did we develop? Flight on the moon. Yeah. Well, flight. I mean that you know that's the first step, right? Brothers, first ones that actually came up with the plane that worked. Leonardo da Vinci's idea, and a lot of people tried it, but they you know, took the Wright brothers, bicycle builders, to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. At Kitty Hawk. At Kitty Hawk. Yeah, that worked out pretty well, and that led, you know. Less than less than a hundred years, we were on the moon. Think about that. Think God. think about think about in our lifetime everything that or or my parent my mother is ninety one years old, about to be ninety one. She was born in nineteen thirty. Every consequential thing that we are experiencing today happened since nineteen thirty. I believe, Matt. My grandmother was the eldest of 12 Canadians. She was born 1900, did the covered wagon going from East Coast to West with the older six. The younger six stayed behind. Harvey was the oldest of the younger six, keeping in charge of them. She was in charge of the older ones with her parents. And once a year on New Year's Day, they would climb the telephone line somewhere and be able to talk to each other, who died, who got married, et cetera, et cetera. For the first time in 59 years, they met at an airport. They recognized each other the split second. They were talking about trappers, this and that. And then one Mm. of them said, are you ready on the count of three? Together, they went one, two, three, and said the same name. Anybody, what name would that have been? It's on the topic. Amelia Earhart. No. A little higher. Amelia uh, Earhart. <laughs> they said Neil Armstrong at the same oh, time. Oh, Neil Armstrong. They were wow. talking about the invention of the television. They are talking about the Titanic sinking and then being found. They were talking about World War One, World covering all that stuff. Then the count of three, Neil Armstrong. Astounding. Astounding. You know, it makes you wonder, right? I mean, if we're talking about less than 100 years from the Wright brothers flying, what, how many feet? Literally feet. The wingspan of a 747, that's all it was, the Kitty Hawk flight. Good God. If the first Kitty Hawk flight equaled the wingspan of a 747, but it constituted true flight. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. That's amazing. So a hundred years, less than a hundred years later, we're on the moon. Can you imagine? Because computers are basically invented in our lifetime. Oh yeah. You know, it was you know the sixty, well, the early fifth, early fifties computers were in use, but you know it was the sixties that they started to be used in you know in society and culture, and we've seen personal computers. Can you imagine? Because it hasn't been 100 years yet. It's basically been 40, 50 years. So you can imagine another 40, 50 years what computers are going to be like. I mean, they're already talking. You can walk into Amazon now and walk out with food, Amazon grocery store, Amazon Go. You can walk out with food, and it's accurately going to charge your bank account. They have crime dealers going around every area right now. Little robots. Amazon Prime. <clears throat> yeah. Has little robots that are going around delivering their stuff. 
Oh, you're, you're kidding. No. See, that's amazing. We're we're testing. Google has already tested a car that drives itself. That's on the horizon. Yep. Now, what do you, you think know, about self-driving buses, Eric? Um, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I mean, have you seen any of the animations of projected animate projected predictions of traffic based on uh, self-driving vehicles? No. Well, the concept is that we've reached the speeds that are possible for us to deal with and get through it. So now they're talking about the only way we can increase traffic safely is to have self-automated vehicles that can safely drive within a few feet of each other and maintain a constant speed and then break off at that speed and go into individual places. So it's, you know, uh, you see Minority Report, right? That movie. Right. And the cars are going up and down the building and, and you know, these three-dimensional places. Vehicles are going to be like that at a constant speed and we can hop on, hop off where we need to. And that is so much more efficient than you and I stepping on the gas and worrying about who's going to step in front of us, who's going to turn left in front of us and hold up traffic, do all that stuff. It's going to increase exponentially, you know, our movement around the, the planet. Yes, sir. I love to drive and I will get a buddy of mine and we'll aim my car and see where we are in a thousand miles. We don't know where we're going. We don't wear oh, watches. We don't have the radio on. We'll do road trips. And when that day is gone, I'm probably going to get a little cabin up the hills off of a lake and <laughs> I'm done. That's it. You know, I think um, you, Matt, I always want to be able to drive my own vehicle. And I think, you know, Kayla might, might be subjected to this. I don't know how, how soon America is going to give up their car culture. Uh, there's so many, like my girlfriend lives in Thailand. There aren't nearly as many car guys as there are uh, here in the United States. There's some in Japan. China's got a few, but that's really kind of a wealthy man's hobby. You know, here in America, it's every man's hobby is to be a car lover. And I just don't see us giving that up. I think uh, automated vehicles are here, and we're going to work around them. But, uh, you know, thank God, at least for my lifetime and, and probably yours, Matt, uh, we're always going to have the ability to have our, our cars and go away for the weekend. I've got fishing poles in my car and usually a tent there. And sometimes I surprise myself. I might be camping somewhere. Haven't camped in a while, but I always had that go with the wind. Awesome. Awesome. You are truly a free spirit. Mm -hmm. That's cool to be able to do that. But we're not going to give up cars because we we Americans, we love our freedom. That's what we love. Love our freedom. And A&W. That's right. And A&W. You know, in fact, another contribution that is uniquely American because we came up with this highway system and invested so much into it. And, be, and that's really how America became a car culture was, you know, Highway 66 and, and building roads that uh, went from New York to Chicago and then Chicago down to L.A. You know, this was a huge step forward. And, and all this uh, commerce came up, fast food, the motels, which was started out as motor inns. And then motel became the word for a motor inn. And we'll, hold the, we'll keep the light on for you. We'll That's, keep the light on for you. Charge you, you six bucks. Read my last name. Huh? Read what? my last name. 
The Baudette. owner of Tom Baudet will leave the lights on for you. Oh, oh really? Any relations? Really? I don't know him personally, but he oh. is uh, part of my family, yes. Oh, my He has God. a book out there called something like The Other Side of the Road. What a yeah. Guy. Wow. Yeah, I'm Tom, Tom Baudet. Baudet. We'll leave the light on for you. Now, <laughs> now, is that something your whole family does? Do you leave the light on at night outside? Um, I left the light on for my like, go to your house and he never showed up huh? last night. <laughs> I left oh. the light on for my cousin Tyler, and he never showed up last night. See if what I love it. Dude, Tyler. I did. No, he fell asleep, so it's understandable. Matthew. When you talk about the freeways and stuff, that was General Dwight D. Eisenhower's concept because he learned that in World War II from Adolf Hitler. He saw how the Germans will build roads to go to a battlefield and how efficient. And he goes, well, geez, we could do that for American families back home. But that was his brainchild. I'll be damned. And now we need to, we need, it's been around for a while. So we need to build up our infrastructure again so that we don't have, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I know this would never happen in America, but if a apartment building fell down for no apparent reason and stuff, and what a horrible thing that was. Well, the concept of infrastructure has changed as, you know, as the world goes along because now information is a new highway system. Yep. So well, and you've got to have Wi-Fi, period. You know. Well, and we didn't mention the internet. There you go. That was that was a concept by the US government back in what the 60s. Yep. They wanted email was invented in, in America. That was in the 60s. That was happening in the 60s. Email. Who invented a beeper? I don't I don't like know. a pager? I hated that guy, whoever he was. <laughs> brothers. It's curious. No. Yeah. Did you guys ever have to carry a beeper? <laughs> no. I did. I, I didn't. didn't I, I never sold drugs. I, no. <laughs> I was a food salesman, and and uh, before we had cell phones, before we had computers, um, we had uh, beepers, and what they would do if somebody wanted you. They would put in the number, and if they wanted you badly, they'd put in the number followed by a nine one one. Wow! So that they, that yeah, that was when I was going through the transition of being a single dad at my part, raising my daughter. I had some buddies going through the same thing, and one of them made the kids have beepers. It was like an invisible collar for a dog. They kind of had freedom, but they really didn't. <laughs> that's good. Well, and that's that's why today it's um, you know kids have got cell phones and and which are more powerful than anything we ever had as a more kid. Powerful than what they had in the Apollo mission that landed on the moon. Oh, exactly, exactly. And you can just hold it in your hand, and you've got all this power that you can use for everything. And you can find you can even find out who's related to Tombo Debt. You can. <laughs> you know, one of these shows I'm going to do uh, with somebody is somebody that works with the um, the Church of Latter Day Saints. Oh yeah, and yeah. their and their genealogy program. You guys familiar oh. with that? No. A little bit. Tom Smith. Uh, 
You're going to no. look for him? Joseph oh. Smith. Joseph, Joseph Smith, thank you. They you haven't forgotten the tablets yet. Oh. No, what they do, though, is they've got literally millions and millions and millions of people that they can track back your ancestry, which you might want to not want to know about, but they can do that now. Oh, yeah, that's right. The human genome was also done in America. The United States did the human genome project successfully. Yes, and wasn't DNA um, testing done through here? Yeah, that's part of the genome project. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's good. You're on it. <laughs> hey, Matt. The one that terrifies me a bit with our technology and inventions, you could get on a computer and then through satellite, it'll show what your front door looks like from outer space. So what else can they do? <laughs> That's a whole nother yeah. topic. That's nope. wow. <sighs> yeah, talk about privacy, right? That's a, thing of the past. That's a thing of the past. And most of us don't even know it. Most of us don't even know it. It's better to ignore it, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like our, our discussion last week. And we we're talking about all these souls that are, you know, following us around and, you know, aware of what we're doing in the same room with us. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I kind of look at it like, you know, this is kind of a weird concept, but but if you don't get embarrassed when you're out walking your dog and your and your dog uh, uh, squats to take a shit, do you? I mean, so they they're kind of they've already been here, they've already done that, so they they already know that drill. So I don't think that bothers them one little bit. You know, there is something to that. Just let nature take its course. You know, have, have you ever seen? Have we? We were at a uh, um, um, aquarium one time, and we saw a whale decide that he was going to be amorous with another whale. And I mean, to be telling you, he could have done puppetry with a penis and really <laughs> made them because <laughs> it's like six feet long, kind of thing. And but uh, <laughs> okay. talking about because well, whale dogs are curved, right? Here, here's uh, something invented in America. Cameras now that can see around corners. Really? Well, they, they send them around up corners. Little cameras. Huh? They send little cameras when you have an endoscopy or an exto or whatever they're called. Well, they this send is one. This is one like my microphone. Just sit there. I could point it. I could point it at your like if you were in the next room. I could point it at I could point it at the kitchen right now and you see that door behind me. I could point it at the kitchen and I could take a picture of the sink. And the sink would be to the left as you're walking through the door. I could take a picture of that sink just by the camera sitting there. That's where the technology of cameras are. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They have released recently that our government can take pictures from the outside of any building and look inside any part of that building. You could be hiding in a real good crawl space and they could be on the other side of the street and see you. Yeah, We've gotten so complicated these days. You know, I, I put up a, um, a post on uh, Facebook. Well, first of all, to backtrack, uh, I talked to Facebook about doing some ads for the podcast and I said, it's called my independence report and Another American about, invention. Yeah. It's called my, it's called, uh, um, um, 
declaring our freedom from hate, division, and fear. And he says, oh, well, you can't do that. You can't use that. I said, what, what, what part can't I use? And he said, well, uh, independence is a problem. Um, freedom <laughs> is a problem. Um, hate is a bigger problem. And fear and <laughs> is a bigger problem. And I said, so, I'm, so if I advertise with you, he said, well, you might want to come up with something else. Because you're not going to be able. So I, I put up a uh, um, a, a uh, post that talked about my independence report and that we're out to eliminate hate, division, and fear. And it I think it lasted about 30 minutes. And the algorithm or the automatic uh, stuff that tagged the words took it down. They didn't even tell me. Bastards. Um, so. Shameful. I, Shameful. I, I, and, but, but there was no human element involved. That's what concerns me the most is there isn't a human elements in, in some of these things that get, that get taken down and stuff. You know, surprisingly, even our legal system is using um, rhythms like that, algorithms. So, and yes, that's, so. part of, that's part of our systemic ra uh, racism issue is when judges make, uh, make decisions, they're looking at a computer readout, you know, based on the case and they're, they're seeing what, uh, they're basing, they're taking in the information from, you know, however many sources they need to look at that have tried a case similar and making a summation based on that case. Now, it takes some of the human element out because now we don't know about uh, uh, Tom, Dick, or Harry and how their lives are different. They're looking at the single outcome and then those outcomes are built upon each other and that's that's an issue that's part of the critical race theory that's being taught and, and how it needs to be dealt with Matt, we have nurses in the family they've been in operating rooms and so often it's like working on a car so they say everything's covered except what you're actually performing the practice on and you get kind of callous and you forget that that's a live human being breathing with a family you are focusing on one little part because of the principle, the trade. I had a friend that was uh, working in the emergency room, and he started telling me funny stories about, like, the one time this. They, they, you're right, Matt. They don't look at it like a human being. They look at it like a machine of some kind. So this this guy was uh, running for an elevator, and the elevator, instead of going side to side, it went uh, a closed top to bottom, and uh, he tried to jump through it. And uh, he caught his head on it and ripped his scalp from oh his God. forehead to the back of his head. And, God. and my friend spent 10 minutes talking about how fun it was to work on this because you could see all the stuff that they don't normally get to see and stuff. And it's you get jaded, I suppose. I've been in so many operating rooms lately. <laughs> I'm sure that, that they get jaded at uh, looking at, you know, your fat little body and stuff. Yes. <laughs> Well, my family would get together at the holidays, the nurses and stuff would get on that topic. And it's like a group of guys that found some car parts in the garage that they need and what they did to put it together. They're talking about a project. And to me, I'm like a child. That's a person. They're talking about nuts and bolts, like you're saying, and they're getting into the technology of it. And I got to leave the room. Yeah. Isn't that something? Well, some of us have actually been involved in nuts and bolts kind of thing because I have t titanium hips, uh, both of them. My sister's got two of them, too. Uh, You're the hippest guy I know. Yeah. 
No, I'm hipless. I do, I'm not. I don't have any of them anymore. Um, wow. I need one. Uh, yeah. Well, you're the you people that have your, your your all your parts are really lucky people. No, I'm not one of those lucky ones then, because I don't have all my parts. <clears throat> you don't have all your parts. No, my gallbladder is removed at 15. Oh, wow. That's young for gallbladder. What Mary, the hell is gallbladder used for anyway? Um, fatty foods. I don't, it just, it's a filter. Oh, okay. And if you it. don't have that filter, everything goes straight to your liver. Ah, uh, uh, so you got to be careful. Got to be very, very <laughs> careful. So, uh, uh, Matt, it's, it's time for us to wrap up. Can we talk about mattsheabooks.net? Definitely. Um, we have a free audiobook that I'm very proud of, but it's greatly advertised on a magazine out there. And it's family friendly. You could have the grandkids listen to it, a police officer, a teacher, you won't get in any trouble. So if you go to matshaybooks.net, there it is. And we also have my independence report there. And soon we're going to have Eric Hall writings on it as well. And so just take a look at it and a lot of free stuff first, cart before the horse. If you want to dig deeper, that's your call. A lot of Amazon stuff. Thank you. Very cool. Eric, anything you'd like to uh, add before we do something else? Uh, keep pursuing your freedoms and uh, express, uh, li live the way that you want. That's what's great about this country. Uh, fulfill your dreams. Always pursue it. Doesn't matter how young or old you are. There's still room for experimentation. Uh, just use the tools that you have and make it happen. Absolutely, Kayla. Sorry, the tools. Uh, you're doing puppetry. Um. <laughs> I. <laughs> I can tickle. I can tickle you. <laughs> Next time I'm going to do a little smiley face on my finger. Um. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> just just hope that out of this podcast you guys didn't get that we're a bunch of racist assholes. Cause in reality we're not. We're just trying to enlighten people and let other people know that this is a fun podcast. This is an environmental podcast. This is in exploring all topics, all subjects, conversational shits and giggles. We're not being jerks. We are being blunt, we are being opinionated, and we are all being open. And that's what it's about. Very good. In that vein, Matt, I'm going to play this for you. I don't think you've heard this song yet. And I have the opportunity to uh, interview him. And uh, Kayla's going to like it, too, because you get to look at him. Uh, his name is Matt <laughs> Weston. And, uh, and this is the song that's just been nominated in... Um, um, Tennessee, uh, Nashville, and for for a major award in Nashville, and this is uh, the Thin Blue Line. We'll play this, then we'll close out. Gonna pull off that old T-shirt, put on the brave. For the risk of facing danger For the lives that we might save Kiss our wives and husbands Mornings on the rise Knowing well that goodbye kiss Might really mean goodbye It's a line that's drawn in brotherhood For the ones who protect 
serve. A salute to the fallen heroes for the honor they have earned. With the flashing lights of justice, who wear that badge with pride, standing shoulder to shoulder, sharing the sacrifice. Oh, we are. job to us. It's really who we are. Truth is our commitment. It runs deeper than the scars. Every day's a challenge. And every day we find another reason why we lay our lives on the thin blue line. It's a line that's drawn in brotherhood for the wrongs to protect and serve. A salute to the fallen heroes for the honor they have earned. With the flashing lights of justice, who wear that badge with pride, standing shoulder to shoulder, sharing the sacrifice. Oh, we are. We Stained in red, keeping our neighbors safe. We're finding that missing kid. But all across America, the reward is worth the risk. It's a line that's drawn in brotherhood for the ones who protect and serve. A salute to the fallen heroes for the honor they have earned. With the flashing lights of justice, who wear that. With pride, standing shoulder to shoulder, sharing the sacrifice. And that's Matt Weston. By the way, I put that together myself. Uh, Eric, what did you think of that song? That was an excellent song. <laughs> <laughs> and did, you, did you know, just, just as an aside, he yeah. has been just, he's been just cast, cast to be Johnny Cash. Has he really? Yes. In I can a, in, see why. I can in see in why. Major. He's got a um, great voice. Yeah. Like, that's a great <laughs> voice, man. Multi-million dollar production, and he's he's going to be Johnny Cash. It's about a, uh, uh, and you, you guys would appreciate this. It's about a, uh, um, Kayla, help me here. 
it's about a, a facility in New Jersey that a lot of uh, music guys went through. Um, Johnny Cash being one, uh, a lot of country artists and stuff. It's called something thirteen, or I can't remember what it what it is, but it was, but it's going to be a really cool movie when it comes out. I'm on it too right now. Yeah, I was distracted by his beauty. He's a beautiful man. So, <laughs> Matt, what'd you think of that song? That was a solid country song, a country hit. I loved it. Uh, Thank you. Appropriate. Very appropriate. And by the way, every Thursday, we have got uh, new music that is being brought to us by MT, or, yeah, MTS Productions, and they have got a stable of, of country music and rock music and stuff. And we, I, we, I interview them for an hour, and we play a couple of cuts that they want to promote. It really is a fun thing that apparently nobody else is doing. So this is uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, that's that well. You do that well, Kevin. It's always it's always interesting to hear you uh, interview musicians. I think you do that particularly well. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that because I, I love music. Can't play a lick, can't sing, but I love to listen to it. Mm-hmm. That's probably why you see, like somebody like me, I'd be pretentious if I got in there. So I think that's part of the thing. You you, you know how to make it uh, personable and fun, and that's part of the charm. Well, and I learned so much. They are. It is amazing the 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 things that they've gone through in their life to get to to where they are. Um, matter of fact, the other gal that I interviewed, uh, she is. Um, I didn't even know they had these anymore, but they've got it in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. It's a dueling dueling piano bar. Oh, how fun! Yeah, where they got two people on piano, and then you make requests and and stuff like that. Huh? What was the top uh, top one of her songs that she was always asked to be played? Uh, piano Man. Yep. With wow. Billy Joel. So that's one of those. So it's kind of like an upgraded karaoke thing. Who wrote that song, Piano Man? Oh damn! I knew oh, you were right. He, he no, he didn't oh, write his it. His first name was Paul. That short guy, Paul Williams. Oh, Paul Williams did really? Paul Williams wrote that? Yes, he is a mega genius. He wrote that one. Man, that guy's written. When did he write that? I would say long ago. Wow, that guy is, uh, he's got like this long stream of songs, isn't he? He is diversified, and he's done great on shows, too, playing specific characters. And he is also sensational as a panelist. He is brutally honest, being direct, no hard feelings. He's not so brutal anymore. I think he passed away a while ago. <laughs> but uh, Paul uh, Anka did some of his stuff, and uh, and uh, Captain and Tennille. Captain and Tennille, that's right. And some other people that surprise you, none that I can think of now, but there's a couple I'd look at and, really? Things that, you know, I mean, you looked at that guy, and you didn't pick up that he would write that kind of music. Right, right. Matt? Paul Anka did the introduction for the Johnny Carson show, and he was paid $5,000 every time they played that on TV. Is that right? Paul oh, Anka. Jesus. That's you 25 know, grand a week. Yeah, Matt, you're going to have to be careful because the 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 gentlemen in the suits are going to come looking for where you're getting all your information from. 
because <laughs> it's amazing that the, the amount of the the amount of useless trivia that can come out of this show is just absolutely remarkable. Twenty five grand a week. That's a lot of money. It was at one time. At one time, initially, that was his royalty when that's they did a, that. That's a nice budget. I could live off that. Yes, indeed. Well, folks, I just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you guys for being here. I'm going to make them be here every Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific time. So I hope that you'll uh, enjoy it and stay with us and come back and view what we do. What Anybody got any idea what we're talking about next week? Well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Maybe we'll leave it up to the audience. <clears throat> There you go. If you got an idea, uh, to, uh, text us, um, or you can email me at uh, um, my myindependentreport at gmail .com and give us uh, some suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about. Um, anybody else got anything else? Matt, I just want to say that we, as a group, greatly praise and respect the wonderful melting pot theory this country is made up of entirely. And when we get a little risque about religion and politics, what's well, a little spice? Hey, we're a talk show. We are grateful for everyone out there. We Absolutely. are, indeed. Absolutely, every everything is everything serves a purpose. And one of these days, we are going to be able to get our act together, and we're going to take care of each other with kindness and love and appreciation, and all of this negativity, hate, division, and fear is going to go away. That's my hope. That's my dream. That's good stuff. You guys have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.